Good morning and welcome to Dayspring Fellowship. Whether you are joining us online or with us in person, or even watching this at some later date, we are excited to worship with you this morning. If you are part of our Dayspring family, welcome home. If you are new to Dayspring, we want you to feel like you've come home as well. No matter where you're watching from, we are glad you're here with us. At Dayspring, we believe that nothing is more important than your spiritual growth. We are committed to helping you thrive no matter where you are in your spiritual journey. Perhaps you're just exploring, or maybe you walked away and are reconsidering. Maybe you don't know why you're here this morning. That's okay. Bring your questions and your doubts. You are welcome here. And we would love nothing more than to walk with you. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us as a church, please explore our website at dsf.church. I'm Chris Voigt, lead pastor at Dayspring. I'd love to connect with you if you have questions about today's message or about the next step in your spiritual journey. If you want more information about Dayspring and getting connected into our community, I'd be glad to help you do that as well. For today's service, you can find study questions in the resources section of our website. And now, let's join our service already in progress. In his recent book about the church, John Stumbo writes, I love her. I'm tempted to abandon her. I'm proud of her. I hang my head in embarrassment over her. I want to make her better, yet at times, I've made her worse. She has shining moments of greatness. She has pitiful moments of shame. She is Jesus' idea, his plan, his bride. But at times, her wedding gown is tattered and soiled, the church. So beautiful, so complex, so in enduring, so fragile, so powerful, so overlooked. She has taken so many forms through so many centuries and yet has sustained her clear continuity with her founders. She's endured civil world wars and world wars and worship wars. Sexual scandals and financial scams have too often written her headlines while power seekers and name makers headline themselves. Yet she carries on. The church. Our society largely neglects her as irrelevant. On the wrong side of history, out of touch. Too political, not political enough. A cool old building or an ugly, poorly maintained edifice in desperate need of fresh landscaping and paint. The place where the sign that has tacky slogans taking up perfect good property while robbing the city of, ta of tax-exempt status. A place for the simple-minded, the naive, the ignorant. A place to have a wedding if the local park is already booked, the church. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, as we take a look at your church this morning, 
Infuse us with your Holy Spirit. Guide us and direct us. Encourage us, challenge us to be the church that you've designed. In Jesus' name, we pray with confidence. Amen. Well, welcome to Spring this morning. Uh, we have all sorts of people with different backgrounds uh, within hearing range right now. We have people who grew up in church, people who are new to church, people who are thinking of leaving church, people who have left the church in their heart and their mind, but maybe stumble across us online or maybe were dragged into the room by someone who desperately wants you to reconsider. Welcome. You are here for a reason. Now, I grew up in church. I grew up in a church that is considered a religion. It has many rituals. And although many people who are a part of this religion have a personal relationship with Christ, the church itself is not doctrinally sound in many areas. Uh, what I mean by that is they have their own rules and systems of prayer and rituals that are not grounded in the Bible. In fact, some are in contra contrast to what the Bible teaches about prayer and such. Even so, it was there that I learned about God and that I learned about Jesus. And I learned who they were and, and that they had some sort of, uh, I had some sort of view of their position, um, what it should be in my life and in the world. And by position, I mean that good girls are liked by God and bad girls aren't. It, it was clear in my position with God, it was clear that it relied on my behavior. He liked me when I was good and not so much when I was bad. It wasn't until my sister Kathy left that religion and began attending a non-denominational Christian church and started developing a personal relationship with Jesus that things began to change for me. And for most of my family, actually, she was the one who first helped me to realize that God loved me no matter what and that I could have a personal relationship with Jesus, that it, it wasn't about being good. She was instrumental in leading me to inviting Jesus to be Lord over my life. Now, you may have heard the phrase relationship, not religion. Well, as a child or as a young person, I was doing religion until my sister introduced me to the relationship part. And she was the catalyst for all of my siblings to meet Jesus face-to-face -face one day. And today, she's literally face-to-face -face with Jesus, as are many, or some of my other siblings. Now, I, believe, I, I believed then that God existed, but I had not yet decided to invite Jesus into my life. It was with Kathy's help that I was led to surrender my control what I thought I had, to him and begin a new life. Like many, I went off the rails badly and recommitted later as an adult. But even though I had re recommitted my life to Christ, I was not attending church regularly. 
I mean, I tried a few churches off and on before Deanna Stein and Steve Vince invited me to Dayspring. And that was about 27 years ago. And I have been committed to Dayspring ever since. And I've held many roles here at Dayspring, both volunteer and on staff. And I've been on staff for, I don't know, more than 14 years. And I'm currently the pastor of community life, which basically means that I'm responsible for adult ministries, the staff, um, the facilities, and whatever else isn't covered by another pastor. My name in the office is Let's, you know, let's do this, let's do that. Funny story, it's a side note, but I'm gonna go there, all right? So we kept having these meetings, you know, where Chris would would say, let's, whatever. And, you know, let's create content for a class or, you know, let's do this thing. And then we'd have our next meeting and he would ask if I'd gotten that done yet. And I'd be like, well, no, was that assigned to me? Because in my mind, I don't remember that. And then after, I'm talking, no joke, people, several months go by, and I'm not getting stuff done. And I'm starting to feel a little crummy about it, because clearly there's a gap here, and I'm really losing it. Um, And so we kind of finally figured out, you know, Chris said, let's, whenever he said that, what he meant was me. Let's. Michelle, you, that's what he really meant. So now they call me Let's around the office. That's a true story. But we have an incredible staff and team of leaders here at Dayspring. They have been an integral part of the health and growth of this church. Thank you, staff and volunteers. Even so, things haven't always been healthy here at Dayspring. Like all churches, we have made mistakes, and we have hurt people on the way. Unfortunately, we all know someone who's been hurt by the church, not just Dayspring, any church. Maybe you've been hurt by the church in some way. Here is what truly breaks my heart. It's the fact that the very body that is designed to bring people to a saving relationship with Christ plays an instrumental role in turning people away from a relationship with him. It crushes me to know that I have played a role in that. I have people in my life that I love dearly who are so turned off by church, they're turned off by God, because of their experience at a church. There are many reasons. I mean, many of them stem from disunity or infighting over issues that are not critical to salvation or hurt feelings because of hurtful words or the high expectations that believers put on one another and on on people who don't know Jesus yet. The expectation for someone to act or be a certain way, and oftentimes the victim, can I call him that, doesn't even understand the rules to the game that they're expected to play. These legalistic expectations just make them feel as though they can never measure up. And these poor souls are inadvertently introduced to a work-based love, not the grace-filled love that God provides. 
The church has hurt many because it's filled with humans, right? And even with the best intentions, humans make mistakes. Humans also have expectations, some that really have nothing to do with why Jesus started the church in the first place. Every person in this room has some expectation about the church, about Dayspring. Today, we're going to talk about the church. So let's take a look at how the church began. Pentecost, as Chris said earlier, was, uh, is today, actually. And it was one of three feasts that required Jewish men to come to Jerusalem for at least a week. Devout Jews from all across the Roman Empire came together at this time each year to celebrate the harvest that God had given them. It was a big shindig filled with feasting and worship. And in the middle of this annual celebration, it's, it's at that time when things suddenly turn unusual. So let's take a look at Acts chapter 2 for just a moment. Chapter 2, verse 1. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongue of fire appeared and settled on each one of them. And every Everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running and they were bewildered to hear their own language being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, and the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, and Egypt, and the areas of Libya and around Serene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and the converts to Judaism. Cretans and Arabs, and we all hear these people speaking in our own language about the wonderful things that God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? They asked each other. Now, what would that have been like? I mean, a group of people, a large group, a very large group, all of one accord, and there was this harmonious union of souls and a sound from heaven that filled the space. They didn't just hear it. It filled the space. And believers were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in different languages. Now, up until this time in history, the Holy Spirit came upon an individual as God directed. This was much different. The Holy Spirit came upon all of those believers at one time. Today, 
We're filled with the Holy Spirit when we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we admit that we can't be good enough on our own to bridge the gap between ourselves and a holy God, when we acknowledge Jesus' perfect life and death on the cross in our place, we receive the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us as we grow in relationship with him. Now, on this once-in-a-lifetime occasion, the Holy Spirit used every language necessary so that each person, no matter where they were from, could understand what was being taught once they got past the confusion of the miracle. I mean, imagine that you speak French and you speak German and you speak Chinese, and yet you can understand me teaching God's word as I speak in English. How in the world? Now, we don't know for sure whether this was a case of miraculous speaking ability, miraculous hearing, or a combination of those two things. What we do know is that this was another example of the miraculous ways that God meets us specifically, individually, so that we can grow in re relationship with him. They were all perplexed. What does this mean, the people asked? Well, the meaning is this. It points to the new beginning of a new age with an encouragement that even though ultimately all hell will break loose, there's hope. If we jump to Acts 2.21, it says, but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So this usual thing, this annual celebration suddenly turned unusual. And in the following days and months, miracles are just pouring out. And this isn't a drink from a stream. This is a drink from a fire hose. And the big C church is born. Even so, it's also the only time in history that things have happened like this. This was an exceptional situation designed by God to do something specific, to begin his holy church. Now, people for centuries have tried to duplicate the church that develops in Acts 2. So um, let's look at what the church looked like then from verse 42. All the believers devoted devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, coming together, and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper and in prayer. A deep sense of awe overcame them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met in one place, shared everything that they had. They sold their property and their possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their, to, added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Now, there are many qualities of the Acts 2 church that we can aspire to. Even so, it's important to remember that God creates churches somewhat unique. 
Not in beliefs or doctrine, that's important, not in beliefs or doctrine, but in personality. You know, the biblical principles are the non-negotiables. Most churches have a statement of faith which addresses some of these principles and how they apply, and Dayspring has a statement of faith, and we will actually be discussing that in the Explore class this afternoon. We're having that 101 class today that Chris talked about at 1 o'clock, and so if you want to join us, please see me after the service. We'll get you hooked up with that. Anyway, uh, the personality is what makes a specific church appeal to a specific person, or to the demographic that God has called the church to reach. When we ask people why they chose Dayspring, this will resonate with many of you, they often reply, it just felt like home. That could be called our personality. So let's look at some of the specific things that are true of all healthy, biblically-based churches. Uh, one of those things is that the church is a body of people who believe in Jesus Christ as their Savior. We are one body. The church is the body of Christ. Now, the church is made of people. Um, it's not the building that we meet in. 1 Corinthians 12, uh, 27 says, all of you together, that's us, okay, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Now, Paul uses a human body as an example of the importance of each person working and doing their part, working in unity, Verse 18 says, but our bodies have many parts, and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it had only one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. The hand can never say to the feet, I don't need you. This is essential for the body to function properly. Each part is important and valuable to the whole, and to each other part. I think we're all familiar with the concept of uh, compensation, like with an injury, you know, you hurt your knee, and so then you start limping, and now your hip starts to hurt, and now your back starts to hurt. When one part of the body is injured, per se, or not pulling their weight, its weight, in the body, other parts suffer. Now, it's also true that the parts work together to accomplish God's work. So, I have a couple of helpers that are kind of come up here and help me with this today. Um, when the parts work independently, not only is there confusion of purpose, but so much less is accomplished for the kingdom. Thank you, gentlemen. Chris, I'm going to have you stand right about here. John, so this is an illustration. Um, we could call it paybacks <laughs> in a Christian kind of way. All right, gentlemen, so we're talking about the body of Christ and how we have to work together and function as one. All right, so you might need that, John. So I have a couple of things here. So with the body... You should say, oh, no. All right. So with the body, I don't think we need four arms and four hands. So I'm going to ask you 
to put those away so you don't have hands and arms, okay? And I don't think the body needs four eyes, so I'm going to have you put those away. And Chris, I don't have a mask for your eyes, so I'm just going to trust that you're doing what you should be doing, like we do here at Dayspring Fellowship. All right, so your eyes are staying closed throughout. Your arms and hands are staying down throughout. Now, when we're working together as, exactly, that's what I need. So we're working together as a ministry, right? And, and so today's ministry project is Project John Eat Potato Chips. So let's go ahead and see how that is going to work. So if you're, you know, you're doing ministry. No words, no words. Is it good? Sometimes when we do ministry, we have a simple task, and we can get it done when we're not necessarily as one, but it gets a little bit challenging. Maybe the road gets a little bumpy, and, and people don't often, you know, some people don't like a bumpy road, but sometimes in ministry, it gets a little messier. And projects get a little bit more difficult, and it really takes working together to make it happen. And so, and sometimes it can leave a bad taste in your mouth. Keep trying, because if you're not working as one, it's really hard. All right. Thank you, gentlemen. I think that's enough. All right. So, you can see, here's the challenge. Here's the challenge, is that Could they get the job done? Yeah. Was it messy? Yes. Was it effective? Not really. And what happens when the frustration builds and it's less effective? People get offended, words are said, it can cause disunity because so-and-so's not doing it right or not doing their part. So it's really important that the body works as one in unison. I mean, all throughout history, the church has been no stranger to disunity. Even today, the big C church struggles with, with disunity. You, you can't go on to social media for one minute without seeing differing beliefs, viewpoints, etc. And unfortunately, people are making those things a hill to die on. And they don't even have anything to do with salvation. They're just personal preferences. This disunity was not meant to be part of the church. 
Now, unity does not mean cookie cutter, we're all exactly the same. That's uniformity. We, we, we don't want that. Unity is celebrating our differences, but using them for one purpose. And that purpose is to show the love of Christ to a broken world. We are to be a loving invitation to a relationship with Jesus. We are to be one body working together to attract others to a saving relationship with Jesus Christ. And this is no spectator sports. Uh, that's an oxymoron, spectator sport. If you're spectating, you're not in the game. And as the Big C Church, we are in the game and we're working for the win. So the next, and I believe is the most important characteristic, characteristic of a healthy church is that Christ is the head of the church. The church is led by Jesus. Um, or we could say, Jesus is the one in charge. Jesus is the one in charge or the head of the church, the head of the body of believers. Colossians 1, 15 through 18 says, Christ is the visible Im image of the invisible God. He exists before anything was created and is supreme over all of creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made things that we can see and things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is the body. He is the beginning, supreme, over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. Jesus is the head because he holds all things together. And also in many areas of scripture, he's the head because he is the savior. He is the one who died and rose from the dead. And all that we as believers should be about is being and acting as if Jesus was truly the leader. The leader of our individual lives and the leader of our lives collectively as the body of Christ. And I think I can say this with some degree of certainty. We've all put ourselves in the place of the head. Unfortunately, all too often we put ourselves, our own desires, or the need to be right over being and acting like Jesus. And we hurt people. I've done it. You've done it. I don't think it's intentional, but intentional or not, it hurts others. When we function as a chosen uniquely designed part of the body with Jesus Christ at the head, the world changes. When Jesus is truly the head, people see the beauty of the one true God and are enticed by what true love and grace means. John Burke wrote, chosen by God never meant chosen by merit, but chosen for responsibility. We have a responsibility to show others the beauty and the privilege 
of a life led by Jesus. And this brings us to our next point. The church is designed for worship. Now, people often think uh, of worship as the music during the service. Well, that's not totally true. Some people skip the music altogether, maybe viewing it as a filler or even a time waster. Um, The music during a church service is really designed for a time of redirection, changing our focus from the daily routine to Jesus. And it's an opportunity to slow down and allow our hearts to draw near without the distractions of life. And people tend to separate the music from the rest of the service as as if it's the worship and the rest is the important part. So I would like us to think of the entire service as worship. I would like us to have our minds and our hearts focused on praise and gratitude and heart change throughout the entire service. Um, I worship through song and I worship by submitting myself to the teaching so that the Lord can change my heart where he sees fit. Worship is defined as, you know, feel an adoring reverence or regard for or uh, reverent honor and homage paid to God. Worship is about adoration and focus. When I do something as an act of worship, I'm choosing to focus on the Lord with a thankful heart of love. This could be anything. Probably should be everything. Serving others is an act of worship when done with the right attitude. I mean, if I'm reminding the Lord what a sacrifice this act is, then I'm probably isn't exactly an act of worship. Um, Pastor Chris washes the dishes as an act of worship. Gathering with others in a unified focus on worshiping God definitely can enhance your worship. We call that corporate worship. There's just something about a group of believers singing together in one accord. Maybe we're not all on the same chord, but singing in one accord, uh, it's It's beautiful, and selfishly, it helps my heart draw near. But remember, we are the church, not the building, not the meeting. So that means that we are to worship individually as well. For me, uh, worshiping in nature is powerful. Music is powerful. Uh, One time I was listening to worship music in the car, driving down the freeway, full-on worship. I mean, I had a steering wheel, of course, but full-on worship, singing at the top of my my lungs, and I look around, and I realize I don't recognize this portion of the freeway. (laughs) And I had to go 40 miles to get extra, to get where I was going. I missed my exit because I was praising Jesus. Silence before God in a posture of gratitude and submission is another powerful way to worship. Worship in his word, being in his word is powerful. Now, although worship is designed to give praise and adoration to the Lord, it also calms our spirit. When I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling overwhelmed, worship calms my spirit and reminds me who is in control. 
Another thing that healthy churches realize is that the church is distinctly missional. Sometimes we think of our mission as a church as optional. You know, your mission, should you choose to accept it? But according to Scripture, it is not optional. It's a command. And Jesus gives us instructions. He says in Matthew 28, 19, and 20, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given them. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. We're to go into all the world and make disciples. We are to be and make disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our mission. A disciple is a learner, someone who is constantly learning, growing, changing into the person God wants them to be. They're not stuck where they are. They're in motion. We are on a continuum of believing, declaring, and defending the truth of the gospel. First we believe it, then we gain some knowledge and we're able to declare the truth accurately, and and finally we're able to defend the truth by knowing the scripture that backs up this truth. We are disciples who are to be making disciples. It's not as complicated as it seems. We take one step at a time, day by day, growing and sharing that growth with others that they may know the truth also. Something we need to consider, to remember, is that the enemy does not want us to succeed. We need to remember that. We don't need to fear it. We just need to remember it. The church is at war. The Big C Church and each of us individually is at war. The enemy, Satan, wants nothing more than to keep us from surrendering to Jesus as the head, to stop us from being unified and working together, to entice us to worship anything other than the Lord. Satan certainly does not want us bringing anyone else along on our spiritual mission. The enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He is the father of lies, he is crafty, and he uses any tactics that will work to derail our individual spiritual growth and the effectiveness of God's church. I believe his current tactic is to hinder church growth. I I believe he's doing that by grabbing those who are questioning or doubting church and faith, and he's having a heyday with them. I mean, there are more books on why people don't go to church, why people leave the church, than we can count. I read several, several of those books to prepare for this message. We must be diligent in the fight against the enemy. We must persevere in loving people to Jesus. Ephesians 6, 10 through 12. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in the heavenly places. And we do that through the power of the Holy Spirit, living in and through God's word, keeping our faith strong and being diligent 
in prayer. But we must also remember that God has that final say. Jesus is the head. God says that he will build his church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. Jesus wins. God's church wins. We win. But, but, it doesn't mean that we can be lazy about church or have selfish desires regarding church. Church isn't for consumers. It's for worshiping God. Church isn't a store that wants customers who keep coming back to get something. We shouldn't be a customer. We aren't selling something superficial, a feel-good message, a great music and beautiful people. I mean, for crying, around, for crying out loud, look around. We're a messy bunch. We should be owners, generous owners, ready to give away the most precious commodity known to man, a relationship with the living God through Christ. And we aren't a club. John Stumbo puts it this way. Clubs exist primarily for the benefit of their members. Members pay dues and fees and in return receive the benefits and services of the club. The church, however, does not exist for the benefit of its members. It exists for the benefit of others. It exists for the sake of those outside the church. Got one more bat to swing. The church is not your sole source of spiritual education. I can't tell you how many times I have heard, well, I'm just not growing there. Guess what? Growing is your job. It is my job. If, If you're in the place of maturity that Sunday, the Sunday message is not your primary place of growth, praise the Lord. That means that you're in the place of spiritual maturity that you could effectively use scripture and share the knowledge with others, and you are. That's awesome. That means that you are ready to be, and hopefully already are, self-feeding. You're eating steak, not milk. And it means that you are in the place of maturity where you realize your part in the, in the service in the church You are participating in making disciples. And maybe you're somewhere else on the continuum. Maybe you're searching for something you haven't yet experienced. Or maybe you're running from something that you have experienced and it wasn't good. Remember that although you are in a group of people who are intent on loving God and others, they mess up. We mess up. We do hurtful, stupid things. Don't let a person or people hinder you from an authentic relationship with the living God. People are unreliable. God is not. And he longs for a deep, meaningful relationship with you. Church, broken, beautiful, messy, life 
changing. Strength, weakness. We're it. We are the church. Let's pray. Almighty God, what an honor and privilege it is to be in the body of Christ. Lord, we thank you for that opportunity. We also ask, Lord, for forgiveness, and we want to turn away from maybe an attitude of lack, being lazy or lax about what you've designed as the body of Christ. And so, Lord, I pray that that we would bring glory and honor to you by working together, by loving you, keeping you as the head of our lives and, a, and of our church, that we stay diligent in prayer and fighting the enemy. Help us to stand strong, God, that others may see the glory and beauty of a relationship with you. Help us know how. Help us be brave in drawing others away from an eternity, away from you. We can call that hell. And into a saving relationship with your son, Jesus Christ. May it be so. And in Jesus' precious, holy name, amen. Thank you for joining us in worship today. Whether you are part of our Dayspring family or just joined us for the first time, we'd love to walk with you on your spiritual journey. Feel free to drop us an email if you have questions or want more information. For those of you who choose to invest financially at Dayspring, thank you for your generosity and commitment to helping others grow. Every gift, large or small, matters, and God never ceases to surprise us with what He is able to do because of your commitment to following Him in every part of your life. If you're our guest today, please know that we consider your time a gift to us and this service our gift to you. We don't expect you to contribute financially. For those of you who would like to partner financially, there are three easy ways for you to give. Please see the online giving section of our website or text GIVE to the number on your screen or mail one of those old-fashioned checks to us. You would also bless us if you would subscribe, share, and like our live stream wherever you watch it. The social media algorithms use those likes to elevate our social media presence, which means more people hear about the ways Jesus is the answer to all of life's problems. Until next week, may the grace of God bless every aspect of your life.